right. Thank you, Scott Shannon. And thanks to all of you for being with us. I uh, hope you had a great Memorial Day. Our, our great thanks and honor to all those that sacrificed everything for all of us and gave us the ability to barbecue, hang out with our friends and family and loved ones, and, and just have a, a great free day because they gave it all for us. Anyway, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN, our number if you want to be a part of the program. All right, issue, obviously, number one is this budget deal announced, what, late Saturday night or Sunday, whenever it was, with McCarthy and and Biden. Um, you know, it's... It, it, one thing I want to just stand back and, and make sure that everybody understands, nobody has read the fine print of the bill and everybody's giving their version of what the headlines are. Headlines without specific language, and, I, and I, I'm not sure if the clock started yet in terms of giving the bill because McCarthy promised his caucus they'd have 72 hours to review any bill before they, they vote on it. Uh, you've got a lot of people passionately against uh, you got some people surprisingly for, and uh, one of the best things I think we can do on this show is is put both of those sides on in the next hour. We got a great lineup for you. I think it's going to be Newt Gingrich on one side. He he thinks these this deal is historic in a lot of ways based on previous deals to raise the debt ceiling, you know, versus somebody from the Freedom Caucus like Trip, uh, Chip Roy or Scott Perry. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll have both of them. I'm going to just give you a, a, an analysis of what this is. Um, do I think ultimately whatever the bill manifestation is that we will have some type of deal to avoid the debt ceiling, uh, default? Yeah. But you know, as I explained long before the Memorial day weekend, there's not going to be a default. It would be on paper, a default, but America would not uh, be reneging on its financial obligations to pay off our debt. And even though we don't have the money to, to borrow, they still take in a, a lot of money each and every month. Uh, would it be difficult? You know, um, yeah, all of this is, is, is because Joe Biden disappeared for 97 days because Joe Biden said from day one, he wouldn't negotiate a deal. And so they're now going to have to twist arms. The left is livid about it. Conservative Freedom Caucus members are livid about it. Uh, my gut tells me I don't I don't know why I thought that McCarthy going into these negotiations had the better hand by far because he already passed a debt ceiling increase bill and it was scored out by the CBO and it saved four point eight trillion dollars. And it also enabled a bunch of other things, of which I'll go into great specificity and detail here in a second. So, you know, you got on the left, you got, you know, people like Chip Roy saying, you know, Republicans should not take this deal. Ron DeSantis ripping the deal. We're careening towards bankruptcy. And the question is, you know, did Republicans give too much in terms of negotiation for a president that had no choice? Eventually, they would have to go along with where they are. Now, apparently, it's only a 99-page document outlining a complex debt ceiling, quote, compromise called the Fiscal Responsibility Act, which never trusts the name of a bill because it's usually a lie. So that means nothing to me. That would raise the debt ceiling until January 1st, 2025. Initially, I would have preferred that they have this debate a year from now, and that would shift the original Republican bill from March 31st, 2024 uh, that would then re relieve Congress of debt-related concerns until the next presidential election. Now, the act would reduce non-defense discretionary spending. This, this sent Lindsey Graham over the edge. 
uh, for fiscal year 24 below the levels of fiscal year 2023 with $121 billion allocated to veterans medical care. And then on defense spending, the bill would cap uh, at Biden's proposed fiscal year 24 request, $886 billion. You know, the problem with all of this is we've got a new axis of evil that we're confronting. You know, China basically told America over the weekend, and I doubt anybody's reporting it, to take a hike after Biden uh, and his administration tried to smooth the waters and they called for a defense summit. China just said drop dead basically to the U.S. and and refused their request for a meeting between their defense chiefs on the sidelines of annual security uh, forum from the Singapore uh, from in Singapore this weekend. Uh, the Pentagon even acknowledging all of this and the decision by China to formally snub our Pentagon and frankly, Biden embarrassed Biden again, yet again on the world stage stage shuts the door for now uh, a meeting, you know, that we desperately need at this time. You have a simulated attack uh, that China's putting out where they destroyed the U.S. Navy's largest warship. Nearly every surface vessel was shattered by the attack and eventually all sank in the simulation put out by China. They blew up the world's largest aircraft carrier, the USS Gerald Ford, with hypersonic missiles in a menacing simulation, which Chinese researchers say proves the U.S. Navy warship could be destroyed with certainty. Okay, so they're getting more aggressive by the day. And and China basically sticking the middle finger in Joe Biden's face, just like they did with their spy balloon, just like Russia did by taking out a drone. Uh, we do have one update. The Ukrainians have Ukrainians send drones over Moscow and bomb Moscow. By the way, one of my suggestions from early on, if they're going to fight a war, fight it on their territory too. let them feel the, the heat in this. Um, so. You know, I can give you the pluses, the minuses, who's for, who's against all of this and the reasons why. I, I think it's going to be more interesting, though, in the next hour to have both sides on. Uh, but I'll give you the, the summary of it. You know, Chip Roy, for example, saying this is not a good deal. Some four trillion dollars in debt at best, a two year spending freeze and no serious substantive policy reforms. And he laid out on his Twitter account that, you know, it's financial debt ceiling deal in terms of limit, save and grow as passed. And the GOP deal is, is going to save around two and a half trillion dollars less. He thinks when it's ultimately scored out by the congressional budget office, you know, Ken Buck of Colorado is now out there uh, floating a, a vote against McCarthy, which I predicted would happen a motion to vacate, they call it, which was part of the deal when he became speaker that he made with the more conservatives, the more conservative Freedom Caucus and other conservative groups. Uh, Chip Roy is saying that, you know, during his press conference that he's going to po- oppose the bill. He said not one Republican should vote for this deal. Byron Donalds is saying Washington is lying again. The bill has no cap in raising the debt, just a date in the future. We have no idea what the numbers are going to look like. And, and that's what makes, for me, reporting on this, you know, a little more difficult. Ken Buck is reportedly floating it to force a vote to remove McCarthy using the motion to vacate, which any one member of the Republican caucus can initiate at any point in any time, basically a no confidence vote. Uh, who was it that called it a turd sandwich? That was, I believe that was, I think it was, was it Ralph Norman? No, that was... I, 
maybe it was, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, but you have Ralph Norman saying the deal is insanity. He said a $4 trillion uh, debt ceiling increase with virtually no cuts is not what we agreed to. You know, we're, we're not going to bankrupt the country. Go ahead, play it. The Republicans. Um, play it. Yeah, go ahead. I keep the Republican it. conference right now has been torn asunder. And we are working hard to try to put it back together again this weekend by making sure that this bill gets stopped. I want to be very clear. Not one Republican should vote for this deal. Yes. Not one. If you're out there watching this, every one of my colleagues, be very clear, not one Republican should vote for this deal. It is a bad deal. No one sent us here to borrow an additional $4 trillion to get absolutely nothing in return. All right, so that's on that side. I think one of the biggest uh, complaints McCarthy's ultimately going to have with this bill is as he's out there trying to sell this thing is the promise that he made to defund Biden's massive 80 billion dollar turbocharging of the already weaponized uh IRS uh, that's that's not going to go over very well uh House Republican Freedom Caucus members are are saying this is a career defining vote um, and Dan, by the way, Dan Bishop did become, I just see this in front of me now, the first Republican to publicly support ousting McCarthy over this debt deal. And we've told you about the others. Now, on the other side of this, just to be fair, um, you know, because we, look, we got $31 trillion in debt. If we don't do something dramatic, when does it stop? You know, if you look at the neg- if you look at the what people are saying or what McCarthy's side is saying, that it'll stop out-of-control inflationary spending. Okay, roll back non-defense discretionary spending to fiscal year 2022 levels. That's definitely a win, no doubt. Uh, Enacting consequential reforms in terms of work requirements for SNAP, although there were some concessions that they weren't as burdensome as originally proposed and originally in the House bill. Uh, clawing back tens of billions in unspent COVID funds. That would be a win, $400 from the CDC, but... There's a lot more that could have been taken back. Will the other side will argue enact a law in the first ever statutory administration's pay go pay go is actually a pretty good win. You have to, you know, pay to move forward to spend more money. Okay. But you also can't control future Congresses. So it's not as, as appealing as you might think. Um, and you know, and then there are other people that support it too. I think the most out, the most outspoken conservatives that I see supporting McCarthy, uh, Stephen Moore, uh, who wrote Trumponomics, says McCarthy's debt deal is a step in the right direction. It wasn't what the House passed. Uh, why the why the pressure to negotiate as much as they did? I'm I'm having a hard time understanding. But he said, you know, strict spending caps for 2024, green light on new energy permitting. No new student loan bailouts, reinstituting work requirements for welfare, a rescission of some $50 billion in unspent COVID money on new limits of the president's job-killing re- regulations. Okay, we lose maybe, you know, $10 billion of the $80 billion. No, I'm sorry. Is it 10 Yeah. Okay, if you look at the, the debt ceiling uh, aspect of this, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've got instances here where, hey, they could do a lot better. Uh, why, why did they, I, I don't understand why they didn't hold strong on the IRS money. That makes no sense for, sense for me. 
because the de- deal will lift the current $31.4 trillion to into 2025 while capping non-defense discretionary spending at $704 billion for 2024. So there's some things here. Washington Times praised it. The New York Post praised it. The Washington, uh, the Wall Street Journal praised it. Uh, Newt Gingrich joining us later on the positive side on this. He said it's a dramatic victory, and he gave very specific reasons, uh, and that he says that nobody would have believed it was possible to cut spending, reestablish work requirements, reform permitting for energy and infrastructure, and more. The debt limit deal is a dramatic victory. I'm just having a hard time giving you an answer. For those of you out there, I tend to think that this is too much of a concession by a long shot and that McCarthy held, you know, a much stronger hand than he played here and that Joe Biden had cornered himself, painted himself into a corner and and even saying that they've reached a deal kind of took away a lot of the Republicans leverage. I'll go over more of the aspects of this, but I, I really can't give you the full analysis because it's always in the fine print. You know, the, the little headline talking points that I've only been able to see, as everyone else has been able to see, don't don't do this bill justice. You ask, actually have to read the bill to know what's in the bill. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be just objective in telling you what the arguments are. But so you've, you've got a split here. Now, as for the rest of the Republican caucus, as I called around this weekend and just p- take people's temperature, people are all over the map. And the biggest part of, you know, the biggest majority now are people that are saying, I want to read the bill. That's what most people are telling me, which I think is actually responsible. If you haven't made the switch to Pure Talk, now is the time. The average family, you get the exact same service with Pure Talk. As you do with the big carriers, Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, uh, you save the average family almost 1000 bucks a year for the same service. Right now, they have a special going on, unlimited talk, unlimited text, ultra-fast 5G data for just $20 a month. Uh, now, the coverage is phenomenal. How do I know? I'm a customer. They use the exact same cell towers and the same 5G, 5G network as the big carriers. It's simple to make the switch, check in with their... Uh, customer service people, they're great. Dial pound 250. Say the keyword, save now. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of data, 20 bucks a month. Now, Pure Talk's amazing customer service team makes switching simple, fast, and easy. And you can pick up your phone, dial now, start saving money for the same service. Dial pound 250, keyword, save now. Unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data, and you're going to save a fortune. Money in your pocket for the exact same service from our friends at Pure Talk.